0: It's that time of week, folks. Sit back and relax as you join us on Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. What's up, everyone, and welcome to Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. I'm John, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host,
1: Nate. Nate, how's it going, man? Pretty good. Good to be back. I took uh, last week off, but uh, had a little bit of emergency for a friend, but uh, yeah. we're
0: back. Now you're back and swinging. Well, Nate, today we welcome Julie Mathis and Kurt Schnipke to the show. Julie is the owner of Mint Leaf, where she breeds nationally recognized La Manchas and Nubians. Julie has bred the 2016 national champion, owned the 2008, 2010, 2011 reserve national champion. Let's keep it going. Uh, She's bred multiple junior champions and junior reserve champions, class winners. I mean, the list goes on. And that's with La Mancha's. Uh, Julie has had equally great success with Togs. Uh, Kurt is also on the show. Uh, Kurt uh, has been on previous episodes. If you haven't listened, I suggest you do. Is a pretty good one and popular one. Uh, he has also bred and owned national champions and other equally amazing accolades in the dairy goat world. Uh, both just so happen to be judges. And this week we just so happen to be talking about showmanship for our topic. Welcome to the show, guys.
2: Thank you. Thank you, guys. It's good to be back. Yeah, good to have you.
0: Reoccurring guest role. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, guys how's your kidding season going? Are you guys done yet?
3: Uh, I'm not. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) I'm saying I think Julie just had a a pair of twins this this afternoon, this morning.
3: Yeah. Four o'clock in the morning. I went out to check and she was ready to go. So I got to stay up um, from four o'clock on and went ahead and did chores and uh, my day started a little early, but uh, I have about eight left to freshen. I have six in May and two in June, but they're all mostly younger does. So we get to see some exciting new udders coming yet. So I always like to uh, have that group all freshen close together so I can sort through them and then kind of move on with life. So, yeah, it's going great. It's kind
1: of, It's kind of like Christmas then. You know, you you don't quite know what's going to be there. You think it you know what might Christmas.
3: be there, <laughs>
1: and then they freshen.
0: <laughs> and Kurt, you're about to deal with the uh, goat McGeddon, as you put it, right?
2: Yeah, I, I'm calling this next week Baby Geddon. Um, I've got <laughs> six first fresheners um, due this next week. Um, two of the the sonnins, and then four Oberhasley and then. Um, I'll be down to just three more to go in May and beginning of June after that. So um, once I get through this next week, then the end will be within sight.
0: I mean, You could always do what I do and just breed four, and then you're done in a quick swift.
1: There's
0: no I fun in that, way. trust me. Everybody still has kids going, and I'm like... Well, I'm just looking at my pretty kids now and milking, <laughs> waiting for shows. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll move on to some ad good news. Cause we have quite a bit to go over, uh, as far as our main topic goes, um, Nate, did you have anything to add for your week? You surviving?
1: What's surviving? We had one uh, window fashion Donabuck, um, and a uh, pretty quiet week as it goes, as far as the herd, um, pretty quiet good Good. yeah
0: that's the way you like it it is (laughs) so for ad good news uh there was an announcement for an informational meeting occurring monday for directors and ec uh, regarding ng uh which i feel like is very needed um kurt what do you feel about ng and and that meeting that's going to be taking place on monday
2: oh you know i think that since i'm not a director it's probably best if i just don't share my thoughts (laughs) (laughs) yes i
1: i'm beginning to think that may be where i'm going to uh there's stuff going on that i think many of us may not know about i guess um i uh
0: i think it's much needed i just hope that Uh, the membership gets some of those answers as well. And it's not just the board because, you know, sometimes they'll they'll have meetings and it's confidential stuff, so they keep it confidential. So I'm hoping that uh, the membership's able to hear a little bit about it, you know?
2: Yeah, I think ultimately right now, um, the resounding thought that I see on admittedly mostly social media that the membership is asking for is just some clarity and some information and some direction of, okay, we we may be able to accept that you know NG is here to stay, but now what are we going to do to correct some of the issues in the peak of baby and now uh, rolling right into show season so that mm-hmm. we can remedy some of the issues basically before they happen. Um, and especially, you know, the national show now, um, uh, one of the rules is that they're not going to accept paper entries. So they're only going to allow online entries. Well, the national show is less than 90 days away. Do we even have a Whoa. functioning online system that can handle that? Um, so I think that there's a lot of unknown questions that people want answered. And so I, I guess, The thing that I will say is I hope that um, the EC is able to give the board of directors some very concrete um, and succinct answers that can maybe help to calm some of the worries that the membership has right now.
0: I agree. Uh, Julie, what are you you thinking about NG and uh, this informational meeting?
3: Um, I think it's time for someone to swoop in and be the hero and I don't care who it is, but I think someone needs to wrap their arms around this in a really, um, good way and, and make everybody feel like it's going to be okay because I'm waiting for someone to say that. And I think that's what people really need to hear right now is it's all going to be okay and hear it in a way that they believe it. And then I think that a lot of people will kind of back off and, you know, um, and I, I understand the criticism and it's really just because, you know, people need answers and they feel like they need to be heard. And, um, it's important to them. People, love this organization and they love their dairy goats and they love their programs and they just want it to be okay. And so I think that's what we need is someone who can come forward and be believable and say, it's going to be okay. And I think that will go a long way.
0: I agree. I think, well, through this whole process, uh, I've been lamenting the fact that uh, communication is key, and we've been just looking for any sort of communication. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully, we get that here, and uh, we can move on with our lives and enjoy registering dairy goats and showing them again.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's you know what we all want to do. Just plain and simply, we just want to be able to register the kids. Show the kids, show the milkers, um, yeah, for sure. You,
0: so, you know, so, moving on, um, linear appraisal. Uh, I've seen a couple people already ask when they will release the schedule. Um, so folks, I, I'm probably, if I were a betting man, I'd say it's probably going to be a couple more weeks, uh, before we hear anything about the schedule and who's going to be uh, appraised. Um, you know they. They just got the applications in. Now they have to meet with the appraisers. Who's going to work? And then who's going to be able to cover what areas? It, it, it's it's going to be a little bit longer before we, before we hear anything from that. So I just kind of wanted to get that out there. Um, also, ballots are sent out. Uh, yes. So check your mail. Get your votes in ASAP. Uh, make sure you read the directions and Put it in the envelope correctly and the right pieces in the envelope correctly before you uh, <clears throat> seal it up and send it out. Uh, I know quite a few people uh, every year seem to uh, not get it right. So then their vote doesn't count. And that's, you know, that's a
2: shame because some of these, some of these are pretty close selections. You know, one of the things that <clears throat> I have seen multiple times in the, primary stages which is what we're in right now where nominations are being made is Mm -hmm. people making nominations for director for somebody that's not in their district as well so if you're going to nominate somebody make sure that they're actually in the district that you are a voting member in um, because it doesn't do me any good and it actually i believe if i'm if I'm not mistaken, it invalidates at least the nomination, maybe not invalidates the whole ballot, but if I were to nominate somebody from District 8 or District 2, um, two districts that I'm not in, then at least those nominations won't count. So if you're going to make a nomination, at least make sure that it's somebody in your district. Agreed.
0: Yeah. Um so we'll, we'll move on. I'm really excited about this topic, and I wanted to give it as much time as possible. So I feel like 50 minutes is uh, plenty of time to talk about it. <laughs> so uh, our topic this week is showmanship, uh, and that could be for youth or adults. I know I'm always working on my showmanship, uh, trying to get better at showing these dairy goats. I feel like I've come quite a long way since you've met me, Nate. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Understatement. <laughs> so, uh, so we'll start off with uh, both – Uh, Kurt and Julie, and and we'll start out with Julie. uh, What is showmanship to you?
3: Um, Showmanship to me is really um, presentation. It's the presentation of the whole package. So it's the animal and the handler. Although as I look through the showmanship scorecard, um numerous times it's mentioned in there that the showman should be inconspicuous and what the showman does should be inconspicuous but it's really that whole showing the animal to the best advantage piece um that's in the scorecard but overall just um all parts of the scorecard feed into that really and it's really the presentation of the animal because that's what we're really doing is um being able to evaluate that animal um, presenting it to the audience, presenting it to the judge, and really being able to show that animal off. And so it's it's all the things that come together that uh, kind of make the final package of what everyone sees when you're showing the goat. Great.
0: Great. Yeah, I agree. Uh, um, Kurt? Kurt? Did you want to add anything to that?
2: Yeah. So um, a a couple notes that I wrote when I was uh, kind of prepping myself for the show here is um, that uh, showmanship is a dynamic activity. And so, um, you know, there are a bunch of things that you can do ahead of time, but there's a bunch of moving parts and moving cogs that happen in the moment when you're out in the show arena. And I think the best showman can kind of adapt to those things, whether that's um, the wind picks up and an errant white napkin blows through the show arena or um, the judge asks you to do a maneuver that maybe you haven't seen or heard of before. And how do you adjust to that on the fly? Um, but then some other notes that I made about showmanship is that um at its core, showmanship, whether you're a youth or an adult, every time you go into the arena, you're participating in showmanship. Like Julie said, it's it's the overall presentation of that animal. So whether you're competing in a quote-unquote showmanship competition or just showing in more of your confirmation and structure classes to the judge, every time you go in the arena with an animal in that collar you are participating in showmanship. And so I think that it's such a dynamic thing for people to pay attention to. And at its core, it's showing an animal to its best advantage. And to me, um, you know, sometimes people will say, well, what does that mean, showing an animal to its best advantage? And I think that the best showmen highlight an animal's strengths while attempting, and I say attempting because some of us judges, um, we've seen enough animals that we can we can see the faults whether you think you're hiding them or not. But it's attempting to hide those faults, and all while doing that inconspicuously and making it look as natural and easy as possible. I agree, I, and I mean
0: showmanship for me uh, would be just trying to show off my dairy goat as uh, well as possible with. Julia mentioned, you know, being inconspicuous, and and I'm a I'm a fairly big guy, right? I'm a little rotund, as they would say. Uh, so when you're setting those feet, uh, you tend to kind of fall over the goat, and, and I try to do, uh, you know, nice, quick movements uh, and, and precise movements of my my goat, so that I'm not hiding it with my rotundness, as as you were. Uh, <laughs> it's just, I feel like, uh, you know. I find showmanship uh, kind of like a sport, uh, especially when you go up against somebody that is probably better than you uh, and, and you, you go into the ring in a normal class and, and end up winning. Uh, and and you kinda, I kind of like those classes where somebody is, is doing a really good job and you kind of can take notes off them and learn your own kind of style as far as setting up your goats and showing them off uh, the best you can.
1: I have a question, yeah. you know, we're talking about how it shouldn't just be in showmanship class that you're you know, practicing, you know, the showmanship and trying to show the animal to the best of your ability. Um, I have heard of you know, one show where they actually purposefully scheduled the showmanship class to be last. So instead of at the beginning of the day, they put it at the end. So the judge would see the showman showing throughout the day. And then at the end of the day, you know, there's the showmanship class and the judge, you know, could see who was slacking and who wasn't. What do you, what do you think about that idea? Should showmanship continue to be the first thing or would that be a, a novelty? move it to the end.
3: I think as a judge, you still need to only judge what you see in the class though, that the participants are entered in because it is a class in and of itself. Um, But I do think having it at the end Um, people who really have their head in the game are probably going to have their head in the game more at the end of the day still than they, you know, some of the people who are maybe there because their parents are making them or, you know, for whatever (laughs) reason that they are there. Um, and so I think just from the standpoint of maybe not being as fresh and, you know, that kind of thing, um, after showing goats all day and then going into a showmanship class and needing to be clean and pay attention and smile and do everything correctly and remember everything. Um, maybe they're probably worn down a little bit more by then, you know, and so it probably does change up the competition a little bit, um, because everybody's not as fresh, but I really don't think it would be fair to use reasons or, um, you know, make evaluations in a showmanship class based on something that happened outside that class.
2: Okay. no, that's fair. That's fair. I would, I would agree with that, um, that because showmanship is a class in and of itself, um, to use any other information from other parts of the show prior to that, um, Is kind of a a skewed disadvantage because um for example if you have a a youth that maybe their family brings 35 goats to the show and they're out in the ring all day showing 35 different head of goats compared to a youth that maybe shows five goats you're getting a very different skewed perspective of each of those youth in those classes prior to maybe those 35 goats maybe Um, 25 of them are not prepared for uh, being shown to its best advantage or maybe not collar trained as well as that youth that comes in with five Um, so you're 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 ending up with a very skewed perspective of those two youth, where if you bring them in with their respective showmanship animals that you know that they have put the time and energy into training that animal, um, then I think that you're getting a more fair representation of how those kids are presenting in that particular class as it stands at a class. And to go along with that, I tell people all the time when I'm judging showmanship that showmanship is almost like a team sport you have the human component and you have the caprine component and sometimes the caprine component kind of lets you down maybe they're having a little bit of a an attitude that day or maybe they don't enjoy the show arena as much as somebody else's or maybe they're just flat out not trained um but to to pull in then um, and extrapolate other information from earlier in the day, I think it just makes it um, b- both an unfair, skewed um, perspective, and also probably a little bit harder on those judges, you know, to try and remember. Well, how did this kid show? five hours ago compared to this kid that just showed two hours ago compared to the kid that showed first in the morning. So, um, and kind of going along with that, I think, you know, when we're talking specifically youth showmanship, of course, they're all going to be a little bit more mentally sharp and ready and prepared first thing in the morning, rather than after a day long of showing animals. And then maybe showmanship is the last thing on their mind at that point in time.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's perfectly fair. Yeah. Thank you for the answer. That's kind of what I was looking for now.
0: Listeners might think, well, what do these guys know about showmanship? Well, both of you have shown at nationals in showmanship classes as as youth. Uh, Julie, you've won national champion – national showmanship, sorry, uh, multiple times. Uh, You've judged at national show and national show showmanship. Kurt, you've placed well as a youth, and you've judged uh, national show showmanship in 2010, uh, 14, and 16, I believe. Uh, So you both know what you're talking about, uh, to say the very least. Um, What would be your biggest tip to not only youth, but also adults showing dairy goats, even if it's not in showmanship? uh, But what would be your biggest tip to them um, uh, to improve their showmanship at any level?
3: One of the things that I did uh, as a child or that my parents actually did for me because I wasn't old enough to make my own decisions was – I had a really large mirror in my barn and I would set goats up in front of the mirror and I could see how I looked and how the goat looked and really work on um, placement of the legs, you know, what it looked like when I was either crouched or standing or, you know, those kinds of things. And sometimes your perspective is a lot different when you're looking down on the animal as you're holding it than it is for someone else who's looking at the animal. And so that combined with just getting feedback, I think from other people, um, you know, you need to keep the legs closer together. You need to tuck the leg tighter to the udder, you know, whatever, giving, getting some feedback so that when you, um, show an animal, right, yeah. um, you can set it up in a way that, you know, what the judge is seeing, or, you know, what the audience is seeing because they have such a different perspective than what you have looking down on the animal. And so I think that's one of the biggest things that helped me was to have that different view um, and to be able to watch myself, and it also um, back in the day, the technology was a little bit different. But even videotaping, we had you know videotapes of the national show um we had videotapes of other shows you know and to be able to watch yourself and if you see yourself doing something embarrassing or that doesn't look good you probably never do it again so you can learn a lot from that i think from just watching yourself
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i've been guilty
2: of that (laughs) yep I have the same thing even now. I'm um, not necessarily practicing for showmanship competitions anymore, of course, but um, I still have a large mirror out in my barn. Um, That way, if there is not an opportunity to snap a picture and see what a goat looks like, um, I can walk her right over in front of that mirror, set her up, and see what I'm seeing. And I can start to see some correlation of parts because you know exactly like Julie said it's very very different when you look at them from kind of that top down view when you're handling them to seeing them from that side view of going oh okay so setting those feet where I think they should be actually doesn't look the best and maybe I need to move them back an inch or forward an inch or um maybe doing that doesn't frame the udder quite as well and so maybe I need to change it this way um But then the other piece of advice that I guess I would give to somebody preparing for showmanship is if you're deciding that you're going to do showmanship, then be invested in it and be all in. Don't think that you're just going to be able to go into showmanship and walk your animal out there and know that, well, she's trained to keep her feet exactly where they should be and think that that's going to be it because that might work. When you're younger and none of the other kids' animals, you know, stand quite as well, but as you continue to get older, uh, those other youth and or those other adults are probably putting in just as much time as you are, so you're not going to be able to rest on that. So if you're going to do showmanship, then be invested in showmanship and put your all into it. Um, Otherwise, don't go in there with any other expectations other than you just walked your goat around the arena a few more times.
1: Yes, yes, I fully agree with this. Thank you, Kurt. Um, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine, you know, uh, uh, to see showmanship not taken seriously. Um,
0: Nate, Nate's going to play that, that sentence or that, that tangent <laughs> for his children. He'll be like, see,
1: Kurt says. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. No, I won't do that. I don't need them holding a grudge against Kirk. Uh, <laughs> um,
3: it is very obvious as a judge, though, I don't think that anyone is fooling the judges, and I think, just to make that point again, I think I may have said this once, but I mean, the parents who force their children to do showmanship against their will are very obvious to the judge, and I mean, as on a human level, I always kind of recognize those. And I kind of feel sorry for those kids, you know, because they're not doing what they want to be doing and they really don't have a fair chance to excel at something that their heart's not in or that they're not, you know, fully invested in. So then they're put into a situation where they're likely not going to do well, which is uh, demoralizing kind of on top of already doing something they don't want to do, you know? So As a judge, I always try to be pretty gentle uh, with those kids and, you know, fair. You want to place them where they belong and all of that, but not be too hard on them either because, you know, you know that um, sometimes they're not there because because they want to be or, you know, it's it's just another class for them. And it's not something where they're (laughs) really going to be competitive, you know, because they've prepared in advance. And so, you know, it does put kids in a bad situation if they're... Um, not where they want to be, and they don't really have their head in the game because they're not invested in it, and have their heart in it.
1: Well, I I agree. Okay. I think the kids gotta want to be there. Yeah, it's, um,
0: it's like the kids that are forced to play football, but they really want to be on the bowling team. You know.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I have. To admit, I, I'm a. I'm one of these parents where I'm terrible at ringside during showmanship, but I. I keep my mouth shut. In fact, there'll be times where I just I walk away cuz I ca yeah, you know, I see they're doing they're doing the maneuver wrong and I don't want to be that parent who is like trying to whisper loudly. Right. You know, no, do it like that, you know. Right. Yeah.
3: Because we judges see you over there. We see you over there, parent. No, 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 no. I'm hiding behind the post. But we don't blame Uh, your child for your behavior,
1: see? Well, exactly. That's why I'd rather let them do what they're going to do. If they do well, they do well on their own, you know, their own knowledge, their own skill. If they didn't do well, I'd be more than happy to try to help them or to direct them to someone else because we all know that mom and dad don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> and, you know, direct them to someone else to learn how to do it better. But I I, do, I have often wondered, you know, from the judge's perspective, you know, when that, it's that parent, you, you know, who's trying to do it only behind your back, of, you know, pointing at the rear leg and like, leg moved. Yeah, Yo. but
0: but think of it at the judge's perspective the judge is looking at the child and all of a sudden the child's eyes are not meeting the judge, they're looking over at the parent, I mean it's pretty obvious
2: oh yeah <laughs> I almost always look at them and say don't look at mom or dad, they're probably wrong you know, you, you do you
3: I make eye contact with the parents so they know I see them I'd be looking right at you and smiling at you like I see you over there <laughs> give you a little guilt trip
0: speaking of things like that what would you say is your pet peeve when it comes to uh either just judging regular classes or showmanship
2: kurt uh well i wrote down a, a few things i was kind of like i said i was prepping for this one and um I have it broken down into two different sections of my my top pet peeves for showmanship, um, and they they break down into the actual showing part, and then um, pet peeves with kind of the prep work that happens beforehand. So um, I guess I'll just kind of dive right in. One yeah. of one of my biggest pet peeves um, when I see. Um, either youth or adults. Um, I, I, I don't want this to come across that we're just pointing out youth showmanship, although that is the primary age that we see them competing. But um, I hate things that look unnatural in the show arena. Um, and two of the, the biggest things that I see over and over and over that just look so unnatural are the um, – once I have either stood up, usually it's when they're standing. If they're a standing showman, um, and for those that maybe don't understand that, you can either stand at the the head of the goat, or you can squat kind of at their side. But um, for standing showmen, I cannot stand when people hold their ha- their free hand behind their back. Um, and sometimes I'll even, when I'm doing showmanship clinics, I'll I'll joke with my my audience and say, uh, you know, if I walk down the street or in the grocery store with my hand behind my back, does that look remotely comfortable or natural? And of course, everybody says no. And I say, well, then why would that be natural in a showmanship competition? Um, And I think some parents and or advisors or um, kind of goat mentors possibly tell kids to do that, to keep uh, those kids that are kind of fidgety kids from touching their goat too much. Like, If you put your hand behind your back, then you can't be touching your goat incessantly, Um, but it's just (laughs) as unnatural (laughs) to hold that free hand behind your back. Um, And then kind of along that same line, sometimes I'll see people kind of holding their free hand almost like parallel to the ground, but it's still unnatural. And again, I know some of these are maybe just habits that build over time. But if it doesn't look natural, then you're not looking easy in the show arena. It looks like you're working. It looks like you're forcing something. And that's one of the fastest ways for me to start kind of um, looking more closely at you. And, and I guess not necessarily in a good way of why are you working so hard to walk an animal in the arena? Or why are you working so hard just to stand there holding your animal? You know what I mean?
1: Like a red flag.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now I can see that. I actually had one judge say they would prefer the hand not be behind the back because it needs to be ready should something go wrong.
2: Correct. Yeah.
0: My pet peeve is something I'm very guilty of, and that's uh, pinching your dough down too much or buck or uh, just – placing legs like, Oh, this one's off a quarter inch. So let me quickly move this leg instead of just being like, well, that's fine. Uh, that yeah. would be me. I fidget way too much with my does and bucks.
2: Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's natural sometimes because the, the nerves come out when we're showing our animals, especially, you know, whether it's showmanship or, you know, regular confirmation classes. I think a lot of us have a lot of time and energy and money invested in it and we want it to go well. Um, but the more nervous you are, um, I think a lot of the animals can kind of sense that nervousness and they can sense that nervous energy through the collar and it's only going, it's only going to cause them to fidget and move their feet more. If they feel they're already uncomfortable because they're, you know, been trailered either the night before or that morning to a weird location. And now, you know, mom or dad has blasted me with the hose at, 4 a.m. and washed everything out of me and, you know, brought a baby wipe under my tail and tried to brush my teeth and, you know, doing all these crazy <laughs> things. So they're already nervous and they're already uncomfortable. So then if if you are nervous and uncomfortable with them, I think that they they understand that. And I think it just feeds into the problem.
0: Yeah, they're like, it, oh, mom could... or dad just turned into a psychopath overnight.
1: What <laughs> is going on?
2: <laughs> hey, hey, hey,
1: yeah. Kurt or Julie, I gotta ask, have have either of you ever checked to see if they brushed the teeth?
3: I have not. When
1: Kurt said um, that, I, just... I
3: thought, okay, that's a whole other level right
1: there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard that. And I'm like, I never did that.
3: <laughs> um,
2: so I have never checked as a judge to see if they've brushed their teeth, but I will say... When I competed at national showmanship, I was not about to leave anything to chance and I actually did brush my goat's teeth. Oh come on. Oh, yes. No 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 did John, you floss John,
0: John John. My
1: brother <laughs> my brother when he was showing showmanship at the New York State Fair, he got reserve. He did not win because the person who won, which was Trisha Ricotta Allen before she was ricotta, um, she had brushed her t- goat's teeth. No, I'm not buying it, I'm not doing No, it. no, e- <laughs> she had brushed her goat's teeth, and the judge found it was that much cleaner. That's no, that's ridiculous. They're goats.
2: <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. like, I, like I said, I've never checked it personally as a judge to see if somebody has, <laughs> has brushed their teeth, and I never flossed them because I was always worried, oh my gosh, I'm gonna. There, she's going to oh. pull back, and I'm going to pull a tooth out or something. But I did I take a toothbrush and some water and just quickly scrubbed through there and made sure there wasn't anything major. For I only ever did that at Nationals, so I think I only ever did it twice, but I did do it. Kurt, well, I have no pet friend. Friend. Uh, <laughs> I never floss. Trend. I would never floss, and I would never
1: No, oh, no. See, see, that reminds me of one of my pet peeves is when they take a razor blade to the udder.
0: Oh, I was going to do that this year.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I could see an electric razor, maybe.
0: No, it looks so clean, dude.
2: I I don't know. I, I, I think, um, you know, there's different trains of thought on whether people use razors on the udder or don't use razors on the udder. I think... Um, If you're going to use a razor on the udder, to me, it's much kinder to do it with some shaving cream and some water. Um, Don't use a dry razor because any of us that have either shaved our face or, you know, um, anybody that has shaved their legs or uh, if you dry shaving is not comfortable. So I don't know why anybody in the world thinks that dry shaving and utter is comfortable. Yes. In an emergency situation where you just need to get that hair off very quickly, if that is your option, you know, Taking a small, a small little sample of hair off that way, I think is, is okay. But, you know, if you're going to shave that entire utter surface and hope to not create any inflammation or tissue damage to it, I think that, you know, if you're going to use a razor, then do it the right way and use um, some sort of lubricant or um, shaving cream to kind of ease the, the effects of that shaving then.
0: I agree. It's been a while since I've shaved my face, but uh I remember what dry shaving feels like and it's not great. But
1: oh okay, I'd be see, I'd be okay with like an electric razor on it. I just I have I have accidentally had my arm bumped while shaving my own face. Yes, occasionally I shave. Um but uh and I know what happens when my arm gets bumped, and I'm just imagining like trying to Get the goat to hold still while you've got that blade on them. I mean, an electric razor, it's one thing, but uh, 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 like a Bic is going to be, I, I don't know, that's just, maybe it's me. <laughs> it's you. Julie, what about you?
3: <laughs> My, well, one thing that on that topic, um, that's not on the scorecard, so that would be difficult for Kurt and I to... I guess, make an issue of if it's well clipped and it's clean and it's, you know, safe for the animal and all those kinds of things, you know, make a determination about that. Scorecard doesn't actually say anything about what blade should be used on the udder, what method should be used, you know. So I think those kinds of things are a little bit tough sometimes. But um, back on my pet peeves, one of my pet peeves is, An obnoxious collar of some sort, whether it's improperly fitted, whether it's just not attractive on the animal. One of the biggest um, reasons that bothers me is because when they change animals in a showmanship class, that child who gets that animal has to be able to handle it. And they're stuck with the collar if it's on the goat. And I don't know how many times I've seen kids get a goat that they're going to have a hard time handling simply because of the collar that's already on that goat. And so that's kind of a big pet peeve of mine um, that, uh, and, and that is on the scorecard. Um, and it's pretty clear about the kind of collar that an animal should have. And so I've always paid a lot of attention to that because I've seen it made a difference. I've seen um, animals get away from kids or animals that don't want to walk, you know, because the collar either hurts them or it's too hard for the kid to control the animal with the collar that's on it. So um, that's a big pet peeve of mine. And then um, another pet peeve of mine is when I'm talking to the exhibitors and asking questions, which I always limit my questions to the ones that are in the showmanship scorecard that we're supposed to be asking that says we can ask, which are um, proper terminology for parts of the dairy goat, breed standards, evaluation of defects, and add scorecards. So I always stick to those. But I have people that want to give me information that I didn't ask. And so I never really understand that. Um, and so um, I think that's just one of those things, too, that um, kind of bothers me a little bit sometimes. But, um, yeah. This does so, a yeah, I mean, r- random, weird, and maybe it's just nervous or, you know, I don't know. But um, sometimes they kind of go off on a tangent and like to tell, tell me things. And it's interesting, but not, you know, not what I needed to know. So um, those are just a couple of things. But I think the things that Kurt hit, too, were, um, you know, really good points. So No, I
1: no, you have to say on that second one. It wasn't normally in showmanship, but my father was notorious for doing that in in breed classes. You know, how old is so? Well, she's five and milking through. Well, I asked how old she was.
3: Right.
2: <laughs> so, right. <laughs> um. <laughs> but, so. Okay, yeah. So you- yeah, I um, I had actually put that down as far as the poorly fitting collar as well in my, my other, the other section of my pet peeves, which is kind of the prep work. Um, and I agree with every reason that, that Julie stated that, you know, if you have a poorly fitting collar, um, you know, as a judge, it, it really kind of messes with the flow of, of, not only showmanship, but any other class when you have to pause and take time to either catch that goat that escaped or um, maybe calm down that child that's now crying because that goat escaped, whether it's theirs or the one that they switched to. And, (laughs) you know, obviously this year with COVID, we're not, you know, going to be doing a whole lot of switching animals, but, um, you know, in a typical year you would in showmanship classes, but, you know, that's, that's a, 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 Real, um, I guess, sucker punch to the flow of your show It's a judge when you now have to manage something uh, like a crying child that's all upset because their hopes and dreams were in that showmanship class and they got switched, you know, by complete total chance to the worst behaved animal that had a collar that was six inches too long when it could have simply and i see it mostly with like the choker style chain and a lot of times what i'll recommend is if you're going to use that style of chain and you know and your only chain that you have is too big go and get a two dollar bag of zip ties and zip tie that darn thing so that it is the correct length and so that it cannot easily slip over that goat's head yeah Um,
1: I had a judge once say that if you're going to do that, you ought to, they didn't like the excess dangling. They right. You really ought to have, have that collar be the right size or get the size, next size, maybe a little down so that when you add that zip tie, it is the right size.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? Well, I always um, hide the excess in my hand.
1: But if you hand that, that dough off to somebody, now that yeah. somebody has to know to hide that excess in their hand, too.
0: I guess. Yep. I mean, you got you right? got extra chain. If you got extra chain, you just, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I, I just, anytime I hold a goat, even at shows, if I have excess chain, I'm usually just holding it in my hand. So that way, I don't, I, I also fidget with it in my hands, So <laughs> well,
1: see, see, I th- that kind of falls into where Kurt was going before with the pre-show ring crap yeah getting the chain that's the right size like yeah. her or yeah. is that oh, where
2: ab- absolutely and you know a trick that i learned is if your um uh, chain is too short either try adding like a double-ended snap or a carabiner mm-hmm. snap or even sometimes just a um, like a thicker um, key ring can connect those two ends to where now it's the perfect length and you don't have all of this excess hanging there.
1: We use a yep. D ring, a D link, a D clip. Mm-hmm. The one with a little nut on it that you turn. Mm-hmm. And then you can put the two ends of the collar together and make it fit the appropriate size. And then you, in yeah. you, that way, it's, it's not like a carabiner where it might you know, come loose or, or get you in the palm or, or something, it's, it's on there pretty good. And that's what we do. So kind of
0: moving forward with that is what do you guys feel uh, you take the most pride in when it comes to showmanship? Like what's, what's your thing, you know, clipping the acting, the act of showing or being able to grab any goat um, and know that you're going to do that goat justice or, uh, possibly even make them look better than the goat really is. Uh, wh- what's like? What's your thing when it comes to showmanship that you take pride in?
2: Go ahead, Julie.
3: You mean in terms of judging it? Julie, or... I think he
1: just threw you in front of the bus. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, even even as as
0: you show goats yourself,
3: I would say um, I think it's really important um to kind of always take everything in this scorecard into account when you're showing your own goat to put your best foot forward so you know the preparation i would be horrified if a judge lifted up the leg on my goat and there was a bunch of um hair under the leg you know it's kind of putting in all the effort Um, to make a good presentation. I want them to be impressed. I want my animal to have the best chance, you know, and so I I don't want them to think, you know, poorly of me or think that I didn't put in the effort to bring that animal there, you know, for them. And so just having the animal clean, having the animal well-clipped, having it uttered properly and comfortable and warm enough or not too hot or, you know, all of those things. um, I think we spend so much time during the year and the off season milking goats and feeding goats and kidding out. That is kind of the pinnacle of the whole year is when you get to walk into the show ring. And so I think that putting in less than full effort on all of those fronts really doesn't make a whole lot of sense if one of the main reasons that you have dairy goats is to show them and you want to do well with them that's kind of that's that's the time to do it right. And so to me, I mean, that's just how I feel about it. And I don't take very many goats to a show usually because I'm a micromanager and I can't do all the things right if I have to do, you know, it with too many animals. And I would rather have five and have them all be perfectly presented and clipped and clean and ready to go and uttered, you know, perfectly than to um, have a lot of animals there and not be able to do them justice. I agree.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. What about you, Kurt?
2: Um, So I think for me, um, my thing when I'm showing goats um, is always trying to Present both my animal and myself in the best light, Um, being as professional in appearance and demeanor as possible. Um, I don't want to be the one that's chronically late to a class or um, showing up to a class and don't have my handlers ready to go and grabbing them at the last second and showing a breed where I have to take a different approach than julie um you know with oberhasley in the ohio and indiana area a lot of times i have to end up bringing seven or eight both seniors and juniors just to try to help make sanctions official um so for me i want to have my handlers lined up well in advance um i want to make sure that they have been prepped you know two weeks ago i already started clipping them and you know that hair i know that the hair is gone so that that, that day of the show, I might just be making final little touch-ups um, rather than worrying about all the things that day. Um, and just presenting myself in the most professional manner as possible. I, I think Julie hit the nail on the head that, you know, if you're, if you're going to be a person that claims that, well, I raise show goats um, and I'm going to show goats, that's my primary focus and, and goal of what I do on either my um, large scale farm or hobby farm, then do it with passion and do it with intent and do it the right way. Um, And to kind of go with that, then my thing is, you know, I think I've done a a fairly good job um, at doing that in the past. And so, you know, to me, when I have other uh, breeders or exhibitors, especially at a, a larger scale event, either a state fair or a national competition saying, Hey, I really want you on my team and I want you to show this animal and I want you to handle this one for me. Um, I think it, it speaks volumes to that person trusting in my level of professionalism, both in and outside of the ring. And then also trusting that I'm not going to show up and just grab a collar and walk the goat in a circle. I am going to take that animal out into the arena and give it my all. And, Um, you know, show it as if it's my own animal. And I I think that if you're going to do that for other exhibitors, if you're going to agree to show that animal, you need to be just as invested in that animal as you would be in your own, um, so that you are continuing to present that in its best light. There's no greater thrill for me um, than handling an animal for um, a friend or an acquaintance. Um, I'll use an example here. I, I showed a Toggenberg for Julie in 2016, uh, while she was busy showing her La Mancha's. And, um, uh, you know, to me, I took it upon my shoulders to say, okay, I have to do the very best possible with this dough because, um, this person is trusting in me to do that, and you know yep. things turned out and of course it was a beautiful animal um that I got to handle um but again, I went into that thinking this goat could potentially win this class now I need to do my end and I need to show her to her best advantage and go do it right um, right well and
1: I was actually thinking of a, a friend of of the two of you who also has tog um so timeless right? yeah,
2: yeah that was that was it's the 2017? That I was talking about oh that yeah. one yes yeah so yeah. i i showed her in in 2016 and then um when the Lesniaks um got timeless then they asked me the next year to say hey this is your goat and take her out there and do your thing again and yeah we, so, yeah um, i thought that's anyway. who it was
1: in, in yeah. 16 as well yeah um yeah no i i beautiful yeah, goat, beautiful yeah.
3: Kurt and I were in uh, rings right next to each other in 2016, and Kurt was standing at the head of the line in one ring with Timeless, and I was standing at the head of the line in the other ring with a La Mancha. So it was a pretty cool moment for the two of us in 2016. Oh, that's cool.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's I, I re- awesome. I actually remember that moment. We both kind of looked at each other and just kind of, you know, like gave this knowing wink of, okay, we're both getting our job done, what we what we set out to do. And you know, that that's not meant to sound in any way facetious, but it's just meant to, to be that kind of, we both kind of took it upon our shoulders to say, okay, we're going to get this job done. And, you know, it was, it was, it was kind of a cool moment. And, um, you know to me like I said there's there's no greater thrill even I, th- I think more so than showing my own animals of course that's fun um, to do well with them and to show them to their best advantage and, and to their best um, potential but I think even more so when you know you have a, a friend or acquaintance that says hey I am trusting you with this one go do something good with her. And, yep. you know, you don't always win. There's only one winner out of, um, you know, any respective class, but, you know, to go out there and at least handle that animal to its best light and say, okay, this is what we did today. Um, I think that that's a, a, a really great thing that that's kind of my thing when I'm showing goats now.
1: Well, and one of the things you pointed, you touched on back a bit is the professionalism and the, you know, to me, there's, there's a bit of uh, that, It's not just professionalism. It's professionalism, but it's courtesy and, you know, sportsmanship, if you want to use the word. And uh, I've noticed that in both of you because I've I've seen you both in in the ring. Um, Back, I was, you know, what, in 2018 in Columbus. Um, And I I think that is something that a lot of people need to remember is, is that professionalism. While we're in the show ring and we're showing the animal to the best of our ability, there are, there may be spectators who aren't in the dairy goat industry, and so, you know we got to you know got to think of that.
0: So you're saying that I shouldn't blow you kisses and wink at you, Nate, when we're in the show ring together. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> Oh, okay, so that's permissible, okay. Because, I mean, that has happened in the past. He looks so serious in the ring, so, you know, you got to give him a little wink and a nod.
1: Well, and and that's a fault that, you know, I know, uh, I don't know if either of you knew uh, Judy Q, Judy, uh, well, I trip over her name, Judy Quigulana. Uh
2: Um,
1: And she used to, uh, I know she used to put showmen down a notch or two if they didn't smile in the show ring. Well, if you're in the show ring doing showmanship, mainly for showmanship, she didn't do it in the grade class, but in showmanship, if you're in the show ring and you weren't smiling, she'd actually put you down a notch, or two because you're supposed to be enjoying being there. And if you're not smiling, you're obviously you're acting like you're you're forced to be there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Um, I mean, I think
0: everybody has uh, not everybody, but a lot of people have uh, RBF, which is resting something face Um, when it comes to being in the ring. I know I've been guilty in the past, so that's why I kind of try to keep it lighter. Um, Obviously, I'm there to do my job and and show my goat. But uh, if I can uh, make somebody else's day brighter by just being a little silly uh, without just being a total moron, then that's okay in my in my book. I I mean, I'm I'm not in professional
1: showmanship, you know, classes or anything. But I guess I I, just take it too seriously, you know.
2: I I think that that's something to be to be noted. Is you know, not everybody can smile, and I think a forced smile is actually worse than a natural smile. Oh, for sure. Or a forced smile is is worse than. You know, kind of having an intense look. There's a difference between having a scowl and being very clearly unhappy to be out there in the case of like children (laughs) that are being forced out there because mom or dad is telling them you're doing showmanship compared to potentially somebody that's maybe just intense in the show arena or very passionate. And that's just kind of their intensity coming through of – I'll smile when it's over, but right now I've got a job to do. Um, So to me, I guess I don't necessarily ever judge on that, but I I certainly want to see that that child is – or that adult is enjoying themselves because at the end of the day, it's a goat show. Um, well, yeah. I think that sometimes we get caught up in that and we lose sight of that at the end of the day, it is a goat show. It is not going to change the price of gas or change the price of, of beans at the store based <laughs> on how we perform at a goat show. So enjoying our time and trying to, you know, intensity is okay, but, um, being very clearly unhappy is definitely something that's, that's to be, um, you know, hopefully avoided. But yeah, absolutely. Those that try to make it a little bit more lighthearted. And, you know, as a judge, I try my hardest to always smile and be very positive and uplifting with the kids to try to help them ease some of those nerves as they're coming out into the arena.
0: Now to circle back a bit, cause I, I was going to touch on this and I, we kind of got lost in the winking and smiling um, for showing uh, and showmanship. Uh, how far ahead are you guys shaving your does or bucks and and uh with that are you using i know i tend to use um some hoof shine it's an old dairy cow trick and um some some shine and sheen spray uh do you guys um
3: do anything like that i don't like a lot of products i would rather just see clean And so, you know, clean and well-clipped, and um, so there aren't a lot of products beyond some fly spray or, like, some lotion if it's needed, mostly because of, like, some of the treatments to the udder, you know, the clipping and those kinds of things if that's needed, but I don't like to see a lot of products. I like to see the animal in its natural state as much as possible. And so in terms of clipping, really, I mean, I think, you know, it makes a lot of difference what the weather is, whether the animal is a certain color that needs a longer hair coat or, you know, a longer time to grow back. But I think um, I think it's very important to be cognizant of what looks good on that animal. So really it's always going to be, you know, what's appropriate for that specific animal and it can be a wide range of different things, but definitely, uh, I prefer the natural, you know, look in terms of not a lot of sheen paint, you know, those kinds of things, those things also come off on the judge's hands. And so as you go down a whole line of animals, if you get a little bit of sheen from this one and a little paint from that one and some fly spray from the next one. By the time you get to the end of the <laughs> line, you're a really interesting conglomeration of stuff, you know, that you've touched <laughs> and that's on your hands. And so um, I really like to not have a lot of that if, you know, if possible.
2: I totally agree with that. Um, you know, I, I think for me, the first couple clips of the year uh, are kind of like my trial runs. And I, this is going to sound a little nutty, but I keep like a detailed um, kind of a note tab in my phone and or on a pad of paper of, okay, well, this one looked really great at seven days post clip. And this one looked really great at 10 days post clip because with Oberhasley they can be, you know, a range from lighter bay to darker bay. And, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. depending on their shade, You know, one might look a little bit better than this one. And ultimately, you know, I guess as a rule of thumb with with having a, a darker animal, I try to have seven to 10 days of hair growth on them so that they don't look bald and um, you know, like a, a freshly skinned cat or something, but, yeah, um, <laughs> you know, to me, I 100% agree. And, and, um, you know, that's a huge, huge pet peeve of mine as a judge is when you feel these really unnatural, greasy, oily products on a goat, I just cannot even stand it. Um, and so for me, um, I guess I use fly spray uh, very heavily Mm -hmm. on the legs and then on their belly, you know, the areas that are commonly going to be hit by flies. And then um, if you're one of those people that you have to have some sort of product on their body, I'll give a slight little endorsement here. There's a, a product called Laser Sheen that I've used for years that it puts just a tiny little bit of like a gloss, but it's not that oily or greasy feeling. It's very, very light um, compared to like, I think Final Bloom or, um, you know, some of those more oil-based and greasy products. I just cannot stand touching an animal and then taking my hand off and I have half of an oil slick on my hand. Um, And then especially on udders, I absolutely loathe when I see udders that are caked with baby oil. It is the most disgusting thing that you can do for your goat. Um, Not only because it looks really unnatural. um, You know, if you think of a goat that is uttered up, say, 12 or 14 or 15, and in some cases, some people go more than that. Um, hours, that udder is already full and tight and now you're going to put this really high gloss, very shiny substance. That looks really, really uncomfortable. It doesn't look natural. It doesn't look like really good texture. It just looks uncomfortable and it highlights the amount of uncomfortable fill that you have. Um, Not only that, that's an oil product and so if it drips down onto the orifice, you are potentially introducing bacteria into that Mm -hmm. udder and causing mastitis. So from both of those standpoints, it is probably one of the worst products that people can put on their goat's udders. And I think that it needs to stop.
1: Well, yeah. With with the oil, I also want to say the skin that, that the udder is made out of, of obviously of skin. Um, That oil prevents the normal, like respiration and breathing of the skin. Uh, You're the one with the medical background here. Well, he's the, right. Yeah, you absolutely you're absolutely. <laughs> and, and that's
2: changing. not healthy. It, it's it's absolutely not healthy, and that's why um, I felt like I needed to take such a strong stance on your on your podcast here tonight with that one baby oil. i um, I have it capitalized, bolded, underlined, starred, and <laughs> about sixteen different exclamation points on my little show prep notes because I just cannot stand baby oil on the udders. Um I- I, uh, I yeah, back you up on that one. Yeah, there's there's just so many reasons not to do it. If if you feel like that utter needs texture. Um, again, I'll give a little bit of a shout out. I use Nivea um, body lotion and I put it on about two hours before the show. And the only time that I ever really use that product is maybe at nationals where I know those goats are going to have more hours than what they normally would. um, Or I know I'm not going to have tons of time to get back and check every single texture between classes to where they might need a little bit of help with texture. But I put that on two to three hours before the show starts so that it has some time to kind of absorb into the skin a little bit and give them that texture without becoming greasy and coming off on the judge's hands so that then they now have this grease from my goat's udders and go and touch the next goat's udder as they're inspecting teats. I think it's just disgusting. And, you know, I cannot stand when I walk into an arena with my own animal and I see that one ahead of me or behind me has baby oil on its udder, I almost want to just start carrying a baby wipe and, and asking the other judges. And I would never do it because it doesn't look super professional. But you know, there's part of me that wants to ask them: Can you please just wipe that oil off your hands? Because that's gross.
1: No, no, I, I agree. I mean, now I'm 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 going to say I'm presuming you know I'm stating the obvious, but because we have listeners who might not know you're not all you're also not like caking the Nivea on there. You're using oh, no, like it's, a small it's amount. Exclusor... In, in
2: Super super light layer, and usually I'm again I'm only using it because you know I either I was shaving that that mammary system, or I know that she has more hours than what she normally would even at a normal show. So again, the only time that I can really think that I necessarily use that is either at a big state fair or a national competition where maybe I'm intending to put a few more um, hours in than I normally would, and I know that she's going to be a little bit more. Um, needing of some texture help as far as in that mammary system or, or feeling that, you know, maybe going into the arena, she's going to look good and be at that perfect texture. I, I try not to overfill my dose at all. Um, but maybe by the end of the show, maybe now she's getting a little bit tight and I, I want a little bit of something on that udder to kind of help it, you know, with its, um, kind of the, the healing aspect of, of coming out of the show. Cause that's just well, as yeah. important as going into the show is kind of the after effects after you're done showing.
0: Now I, uh, I in the past, because usually when I utter up my dose, like for the first couple shows, um, I'll do it beforehand, you know, like the week before to see how they do uh, with uttering up. And if I need to give somebody more time for when the show day comes. Um, but I've also found that utter bomb because they get ashy when they the first couple times, they really bag up like that. You know, their skin's really tight, you know, so they can get ashy. I just do a little bit of utter bomb. And also that laser sheen that you mentioned, I use that too. Uh, a little bit of that stuff goes a long way. Oh, yeah. Just, just I mean, they, it comes in concentrate and it also comes in spray bottles. Um, and I mean, literally, like, you don't have to douse these doughs where it's dripping off them because they don't have much hair to begin with. So you can see that drip line. It's just very, very light mist and then just wipe down and they're not greasy. They're just nice and smooth.
1: Yep. I think I'm, I'm more with Julie as far as I, I do the all natural thing. I might do some fly spray, but otherwise I just wipe them down with a uh, wet towel and I go with that. But That's just, I think everyone has a little bit different way of doing it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's just like some people leave more heel on their toes when well, a lot of people, but uh, leave a little bit more heel on their toes So that way uh, their feet look more you know, correct. Um, I don't, A lot of people, including myself, when they're not in show season, I tend to take down the heel a little bit just because it's probably a little bit uncomfortable to have a long heel like that. Um,
1: Yeah, yeah, I I would imagine. Um,
0: Uh, Was there anything else that you guys wanted to add as far as showmanship goes? I know we're running a little bit over here.
3: I thought of a couple more pet peeves, actually, that um, I can't believe I didn't think of the first time, but um, I would say. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the pace leading around the ring and when they're nervous or the first person comes in and the first person is walking too fast. So then everyone else walks too fast. And I feel like I'm repeatedly saying Slow down. You know, you need to walk slower. You need to walk her slower. It's easier for me to judge the animal when they walk slower. It's more comfortable for the animal, especially animals that are uttered up. Um, I think that's pretty important. Um, it's just um, the pace is kind of a big deal sometimes, and so that's a little frustrating, especially sometimes to fight with kind of throughout the whole class. Um, because they're supposed to be listening and taking direction right. you know, as you're judging. And so yeah. if I let them know early in the class, you know, that I need them to walk more slowly, I need them to leave more space between the animals. Those are two things, the space between the animals and the pace that make a big difference at, at any show and how easy the show is to judge. It's very difficult um, when people don't walk, you know, at a proper pace and you're trying to look at these animals all day and you want to give those animals Um, a good look, you know, and have each animal have a fair chance to be evaluated while they're walking to have them walking at an appropriate pace. And so then, and then leaving space between the animals, I feel like sometimes, especially um, younger showmen um, have a little bit more trouble with that, but leaving enough space between the animals and walking with enough space, leaving enough space when they set up. And so those are things that I feel like in less experienced areas of the country, even sometimes, you know, where maybe showmanship isn't the focus or they don't have a lot of clinics or a lot of older showmen who the younger ones are learning from um, seem to struggle with that a little bit more. But I've even struggled with it in some classes at the national show, you know, which is frustrating to see that something that basic is something that we're, you know, struggling with because it's really important in being able to evaluate the animal, which is the point of all this i guess right you know right.
0: so well it's like it's like you see a, a a nice mustang car go speeding by at 100 miles per hour you go oh that was a nice car or if all of a sudden you're just standing there at the road and here comes a car going 35 40 miles per hour you're like oh wow that's a nice car look at this and this on it that's cool i mean you get to see more detail than if something's just flying by you right
1: now, right now, Julie, I got to ask you, I'm going to be delve a little bit more into this And your two points here. Is there a way to describe, in your mind, um, the right speed for walking and or then going on to the next step, the right distance? I,
3: would I know what that's...
1: I was taught.
3: yeah. On the distance, it's, I think it's a goat length. I mean, you know, and it just depends on the size of the animals, but definitely in terms of, especially when you have animals that are misbehaving so that your animal would never touch another animal If she jumps, or if she, you know, lunges forward or walks too fast for a few seconds because she's scared that you would never negatively affect another exhibitor with your animal. And so a whole goat length, you know, depending on the size of the animal's, Seems to accomplish that, that pretty well. Um, gives that's them exactly the what I was thought. Yeah. And I think that's Sorry. pretty easy, you know, so um, that one's easy. Describing the pace is a little bit harder. Um, I'm not quite sure at the moment how I would say I would describe the pace. I mean, I know it when I see it. But yeah, how do you tell someone what the right pace is? Kurt, how would you describe that?
2: Uh, the way that my showmanship mentors described that to me when I was younger is imagine if you're going to go for a walk either down the sidewalk or down the road with uh, your parent or your sister or your friend, and you're going to have a conversation with them as you're walking, what would be your walking pace? And that should be approximately the pace that you would walk your goat around the arena. So just a leisurely, you know, if you imagine in your mind, a leisurely stroll in which you could have a conversation, that would be the pace that you want to lead your animal. So not too fast, but then also not molasses slow at the same time. Right. right and I think
3: as long as they continually move, and that's the thing, like as long as they're continually taking steps, um, as slow as you can go and still have the animal continually moving forward is probably just about right for me um, because I'm, while you're trying to evaluate details and how they walk around the mammary system and the movement of the front end and all these things that we're looking at, that's a really good pace for me, you know, is just really very slowly but not stopping is really fantastic and you can compare two animals that are a goat length apart and look back and forth and see all the detail um, if they're moving that slowly. So it's very helpful to the judge. And it's very helpful in a long day of judging to have exhibitors that are moving at an appropriate pace and keeping the animals appropriately spaced. It's just so much easier to judge a show. And it looks better. It's easier for the audience. Um, It's just a better presentation, I think.
1: I agree. I agree. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, Kurt, Kurt did you, you had taken notes, you know, preparing for this whole podcast. Yeah. Did we get to everything in your notes? Uh,
2: the only other thing that I put in here that um, I cannot stand, um, which it's going to sound like there's all these things that these judges cannot stand. Uh, oh, but,
1: but you're I, all I, in agreement I, from what I'm seeing.
2: I, I think the resounding you know, thought is that things should look natural, as natural as possible. And one of the things that does not look natural to me is when people overclip their udders. Either trying to make that rear udder look like it's two inches higher and closer to the vulva, or Dude, three and a preach. half inches wider and clipping out onto the thigh, or the ones that clip clear up to or past their navel. Uh, you're actually... Us judges, you know, we've gone through rigorous training to be able to look at these animals and to pass that training. You're not going to fool us by overdoing, you know, that clipping of either the rear udder or the fore udder. A little bit might create that illusion from a distance, but you're real if your goat has more of like an A-framed udder is what I typically call it, and you're trying to carve out and and create this very upside down u-shaped udder it's not going to happen we're going to see it we're going to catch it you're not going to fool anybody so it it is in your best interest not to over clip that udder because a you could create some different angles for example a a dark goat a a black or uh, a brown goat or a dark chocolate goat if you clip halfway up their belly as you look at the visual line coming down the bottom of the barrel and down the bottom of the stomach there's this very visual sharp cut up as you have that clipped now to to you know bare skin and you're you're eliminating some of that increasing depth and some of that smoothness down into that forwarder that you know you want to create that visual appeal and if you're chopping it all apart by trying to make the forwarder look like it's longer trust me clipping it that far, we see exactly how long that four rudder is. You're not changing anything. Um, and if anything, if you want to create the illusion, you do it in minor increments by just going just barely in front of the four rudder or just barely outside of that rear rudder. Um, so I guess that's the only thing that I still had left on my, my show notes here of, um, you know, good showmanship. And, and I think, you know, ultimately, like I said, it all comes down to, How do you make that animal look as natural as possible? How do you make yourself look as natural as possible? And not trying to overdo or overwork things um, is probably your best bet for success in the show arena. Yeah,
0: Yeah, and have fun in the show arena.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. if you're not having fun, why are you doing it?
0: Exactly. Uh, Julie, did you want to add anything to the mix as far as that goes?
3: Uh, along the lines of what Kurt said, I mean, keeping it simple and straightforward and natural and all of those things. If you really just read the showmanship scorecard, it points everything in that direction. You know, the showman is inconspicuous. The animal is clean. Um, You know, it has directions for everything in here. If you just do everything the way it's laid out in the scorecard, you're there. It's all right here you know, for someone to see what they should be doing. So all of the excess things that people throw out there, like it never says to put your arm behind your back, you know, it, it tells you what kind of collar to have and how it should be fitted, you know, all it's all laid out right here. Um, and so I think that's the important thing that I would say from a judging standpoint and from an exhibitor standpoint is if everybody sticks to the scorecard, it's really straightforward, actually.
2: yeah yes
0: yep Yep. i agree and i mean anybody that's newer uh with showing goats uh i would suggest watching the showmanship classes either at nationals or state fairs or county fairs Uh, because even yourself as an adult uh you're gonna learn a little bit from these kids imagine that these kids teach us something (laughs) and uh, yeah and you'll learn a lot i mean when i'm at shows yeah i'll ringside i'll be talking to people and and bsing but for people that have really nice goats and i'm like wow they are showing this goat really well i pay attention and mentally take notes because i want to do better i mean i started out i look at pictures my first couple years well first year at least two of showing and i'm like oh what was i doing (laughs) but now now it's starting to come together a little bit because i'm paying attention so Um, I I feel like it helps. And, and I always uh, like to set up my goats and take pictures and look and, and it's nice to have people like Kurt or Nate or, you know, any other friends and uh, just, you know, like the other night, Kurt, you were like, you know, if you took, if you took that camera and just moved it closer to that rear leg, she would look better. And I'm like, well, okay. But then I'm thinking, oh, well, that rear leg was set a little bit too far back or too far forward. And and just taking those mental notes and, and getting advice from other people and how your goats look either in pic- pictures or person will help you show in the ring. Now if you had a mirror, you would have known that. <laughs> I know right? I need to I need to get one of those. I don't like looking in the mirror because I'm pretty shaggy and pretty beefy, so
1: nobody needs to see that including myself. We're, we're well-conditioned, John. We're well-conditioned. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think, John, your point to that is kind of self-criticism and self-reflection are a good thing.
1: Yeah. 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 Oh,
0: I had – last year I had uh, my kid – well, now they're now they're milking earlings, but they were kids last year. And I was showing them – or just walking them around my driveway and taking pictures. And I look back at the pictures and I'm like, oh my god, I'm awful. I think you probably remember that Nate. I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> we we, we you know. tried to help you. Yeah, a little from, advice from goes one. Two a long and ways. a half hours away. Yeah. So,
1: um, you know, you I, are- I also will say it's good to watch the judges and how they go through the showmanship class. And you know, for those of us who are older and no longer doing the showmanship classes, there aren't very many adult showmanship classes. You're right. You can learn a lot from from the kid, but you can also learn a lot by hearing what the judges say that the kids did right or wrong or what they're expecting, you know, in the showmanship or in the show. ring. Right. Um, it's just, you know, something I've noticed. Um,
0: so. Well, guys, I, I'm really glad that you were able to come on the show tonight and uh, talk about showmanship and, and get to... Uh, learn a little bit more about you, Kurt, and Julie. I mean, this first time you being on, and and gosh, you're a wealth of information, and
1: I really appreciate you being here. Thank,
3: Thank you. you.
2: Yeah, thanks some for having we, me again. Yeah,
1: you're <laughs> welcome. some point, we're going to have to have uh, Julie on and, you know, learn more about mint leaf, you know. Oh, for sure. A little bit more. Um, I was blown away to find out she actually has a field of mint around her. barn.
3: I do. I'm looking at it right now. I'm sitting here. I can see it.
1: I'm, I'm (laughs) envious. Okay. I have to tell you I'm envious. Okay. (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right. Well, I think this is a good spot to wrap up. Uh, Kurt, Julie, thanks again for being here. Nate, as always, thanks for co-hosting here. Uh, Everybody, this has been ringside in American Dairy Go podcast.
3: We'll catch you on the next one.
1: Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast,
0: is not an affiliate of the American Dairy Goat Association. All opinions or information regarding the ADGA does not represent the registry.